0: A reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the people, along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock in Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will flow from it for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel, the place was called Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord. to God. joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice hardened bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, for he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, and in the day of Masa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while he was still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory.
1: Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, King of, of endless, endless glory.
0: Lord, you are truly the Savior of the world. Give me living water that I may never thirst
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you.
0: And And with your spirit.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan woman for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty. I have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand. Because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, In four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Beloved, whenever the third Sunday of Lent comes about, it is always an option, and the church encourages that the readings, regardless of which liturgical year you're in, and this year, you know, we're in liturgical season B, and this is the Gospel of Mark this year, but whether it was A, B, or C, whenever the third Sunday of Lent comes, the church encourages and invites her children to transition to the cycle A readings, in terms of, especially for the Gospel, which now comes from John. And it's because the themes are ripe. They are very rich with with signs and scenes in which repentance is present, conversion, coming to faith, particularly in the person of Jesus the Christ. And, of course, in this year we have two catechumens that will receive the living water they will actually experience what Jesus is conveying in this gospel. And with this being the case, I would like for us to focus on the image of Jesus as the bridegroom. The bridegroom. Why is that? Because it's not by accident that John highlights for us that Jesus has come to a town of Samaria called Sikar. First of all, Jesus is in Samaritan territory because this is where he has to be. Because this is where his father wants him to be. One of the objectives, one of the things that the Messiah would realize would be the bringing back the reestablishment of the twelve tribes that had been scattered. It was in the year 721, 722 that the Assyrians invaded the ten tribes in the south. There were two in the north and two in the, ten in the south. And when that happened, they just ran roughshod over everything. The Assyrians were, huh, they believed in scorched earth. They were a wicked, a wicked empire. And they did their worst and scattered the chosen people all over. And then, as it happened, they began to intermingle, interrelations, marriage, and of course, you can imagine they would begin to influence them with their worship of their false gods, and that was always an issue for the people, for God's chosen people, getting involved with the pagan nations, and they would have to be chastised by the Lord, disciplined, and we know the cycle. But this was the most devastating time. And this is why there was so much hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews, even to this very day. They remind the Jews, as a, they stand as a perpetual reminder of what happened, of how they were overrun, and how things went. So the Samaritans are the descendants of the Assyrians. And and the Jews see them as, a, as what you call like a mixed breed, a hybrid. They, 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 they detest them because those Samaritans still honor, they still believe in the one true God. They still hold to the, to the traditions, albeit they have set up their own. They have established their own priesthood. They have established their own temple on, on Mount Gerizim. This is where the dialogue is happening with this woman, but let's let's... Just get this backdrop because it's so important. It's not just because, oh, they look different from us. This is what really is at the heart of the issue. They were looked upon as bastardizing the faith. But they were waiting, just like the Jews, were waiting for the Messiah of God to come and tell them everything. Remember Moses prophesied, God will raise up another like me from your own kin. When he comes, you are to listen to him. He will tell you everything. So here you have this woman who's at the well, who's coming to the well at the noon hour. That in itself wasn't a good sign. She was in a, she was, she was out, that tells you there she's outcast there. Women went to the well either early in the morning, before the rising of the sun, before the heat of the day, or in the later when the sun is setting, and they never went alone. They went with other women, companions from the village. We understand. But Jesus has established himself at this well. And isn't it something to hear that Jesus was tired from his journey you know, we would. Could you ever have imagined if it wasn't for the mystery of the incarnation and all that we have come to know of God's eternal Word taking flesh, dwelling among us? Could you ever have imagined God being tired, needing to take a rest? I mean, because I mean, after all, He's God. But this is itself for us something to to celebrate, to relish the fact that Jesus, even yes, He understands when we toil and when we're tired, we just need to sit down, just don't want to do anything. That's, you know, let that settle in your heart. This is just how down to earth the Lord has come among us on every level. Now, a water well and a man. In the biblical tradition, the water well and a man situated by that well is a nuptial symbol. When men were at a water well, it wouldn't, be long, it wouldn't be long before the woman comes along. And then once the woman comes along, then the wedding bells, the wedding celebration is going to happen. And this is why when the disciples returned and they found Jesus talking with this woman, apart from the fact that she was Samaritan, I mean that surely caught their attention, she was a Samaritan woman, but that he was talking with her situated at the well, that was kind of wow. What's going to happen here? Because Jesus had embraced celibacy; he wasn't looking for marriage, at least not on the natural level. We remember this is also the dynamic that's going on, and John really plays, really fleshes this out for us. Jesus oftentimes is always speaking to us about his two favorite topics: God and the kingdom therein, from the, both the natural and the supernatural. So she initially, when he says, give me a drink, she's, whoa, how can you, whoa, you're asking me for a drink, you're a man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a woman, and then, then, then to compound the situation, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, what are you asking, what are you trying to do? And then, of course, Jesus, if you knew who it was that was asking you, you'd be asking him for the gift of God in the living water. See, you come here to this well, and you're going to go, come and go and come and go. You're coming back all the time. But if I give you what I have to give you, you won't need to be coming back here. I will give you a water that wells up within you. Well, this piques her curiosity. But she's still thinking on the natural level, give me this water. Are you greater than our Father Jacob and all of his? Give me this water. Go get your husband. Then come back. Uh oh well, I'm not married. You're right. You are not married. In fact, the man that you're with now is not your husband. You've had five, and this one is not it. Now, you see, so many years, over the years, this particular scene in the gospel has been used to bash, to really bash women who didn't have, haven't had much luck in marriage, we'd say. This kind of looking for it, but seemingly every time choosing the wrong one or whatever. But there's so much more going on here. It wasn't so much that she was yoked to a flesh-and-blood husband. That was the issue. She had been yoked to false gods that inevitably leave one empty and just totally disillusioned. So Jesus is very much about nuptials today. He's very much about this woman and where she's at in her life. When she sees that he reads her heart and tells her what he tells her, then she goes to change the subject. Because you know, like, like any of us, if the Lord starts really touching us in a certain way, a word of God touches in a certain way and it brings up something we are not, we, you know, Lord, if you only knew me, if you really knew me, there's no way you would love me. There's no way you would want me. We, we have this mind. Breaking news, he really does know us and he really does desire us. He loves us. Did you hear what St. Paul says in today's second reading, his epistle to the Romans? And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly indeed, Only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There it is. Nothing else needs to be said. But there is still much to be done. Namely what? Surrender opening one's heart. Look at how beautiful Jesus, he allows her to, to take this, the, decide to take the detour. So talking about right, where's worship to be done? And our people say here, your people say there. And now when Jesus starts speaking to that issue, he is now introducing the messianic age has come. There will come now, in fact, the time is here, Woman, where true worship of God is neither relegated in Jerusalem on this mountain, but true worship of God is done in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. A new worship is now at hand. A new and eternal covenant is to be established. Jesus, in engaging with this woman as he does, Notice, he brings her to faith. She leaves the bucket there. Goes back into the village, testifying to all that has happened. A man has told me everything I've ever done. Could he be? Do you think he's the Christ, the Messiah? Well, you know, that caught these people's attention because they probably put, what has what gotten into this woman? Because they know, everybody knows everybody. You know, small communities, everybody knows. So she came in there speaking as she did, and they came. And they saw for themselves and Jesus for his part accomplished the mission of his father. A harvest that had already been prepared. By who? Moses, Elijah and the other prophets had already prepared them. They were simply waiting. They were waiting for somebody to guide them to the truth, the Samaritans. Just like there are people among us right now and out there waiting for someone to invite them, to inspire, to guide them to the truth. Think of our catechumens. One doesn't come to conversion overnight. It takes time. And boy, when everything starts to connect, when the the light bulbs go off, oh my, there's no stopping. And they're in. The hunger and the thirst is awakened. And then Jesus responds. Baptism. The waters. The living waters. We talk about living waters like a, a river, a running river, or a spring coming up from the earth. This is what the Semitic people would have understood. But Jesus was speaking about a supernatural living water, a both hand. You know, most of us, when we were baptized, we'll baptize as infants. We don't realize the power, the significance of baptism. But do you realize that when a person as an adult is baptized, they have no need to go to confession, first of all, before receiving that sacrament of baptism. There's no need for that. Why? Because baptism deals with all sins, venial and mortal Not only the sin, but the consequences of those sins. The punishments attached to those sins in this life and the life of the world to come. When a person is born again of water and spirit, it's all done away with. They are completely purified. They are clean inside and out. In such a way that if they were to die on the day of their baptism, they go straight to heaven. Without exception. This is the power. This is the sacrament of sacraments. This is the one that opens up the way to the others. We make a big deal about the Eucharist, and so we should. But were it not for being born again of water and spirit, it would be meaningless. One must have the capacity to receive and become what one receives. And only God can do that. And that's what our catechumens are preparing for. And that is what we are being called to remember and reflect upon ourselves. To what extent have we been holding back? Have we bought into and accepted the lies of the serpent, that ancient serpent, Satan and his minions? I was sharing with the school community, the school mass. Satan knows our names, but he calls us by our sins. Jesus knows our sins, but he calls us by our names. How often do we operate on the basis of our shortcomings and and, and, and relate to each other based on our sins as opposed to our dignity as a child of God, created to God's image and likeness? Jesus, in engaging with this woman as he does, is proposing marriage to her, but not only to her but to the whole world, all of humanity. She represents the Jews and the Gentiles because, remember, the intermingling, the chosen people with the young, the outsiders, is now established. Jesus says, I have a food to eat that you don't know of. To do my Father's will is the food that I eat. The harvest is now here. He's thirsty. The catechism in the Catholic Church says that God thirsts. God allows himself to thirst so that we might thirst for him. That's what prayer is. A thirst for God. But it's it's a response to God's thirst for us. So don't, don't be afraid. He's always establishing himself at the well. This is the well. The Eucharist is the well. When we come up for communion... He's asking you and me, give me a drink. Not asking, he's telling, give me a drink. Oh, me? Yes, you. Give me a drink. Give me your heart so that I can give you mine. Give me your love so that I can give you mine. Give me your life so that I can give you my death in rising so that when you come to your, your journey's end on this side, you will rise with me. This is the mystery of salvation, beloved. The third Sunday of Lent invites us to awaken, to realize the blood and water flowing from the sacred heart of Jesus when he was pierced through on the, on the cross is the fruits of of his love for us, baptism and the medicine, the food of immortality, the Eucharist, the living bread, the true bread come down from heaven. Our ancestors were complaining in the desert, of Meribah and Masa, complaining and quarreling, testing the Lord. Why? Because they wanted to be set free from their sins, just like you and I, once and for all. But now the time has come. Let us be renewed in our faith, hope, and charity. Let us bring what needs to be brought to Jesus. Avail yourself of the sacrament, those of us who've been on the journey far more longer than the catechumens that are preparing. Avail yourself of the sacrament of reconciliation. Jesus is waiting to call you by your name, not your sins. He has, no, he has no desire than to, uh, to dwell on your sins. He's come to redeem and to save what was lost. This is the will of the Father. God love you.